Hello. Hello. to Three Stooges Throwback, the comprehensive, encyclopedic compendium of all things Three Stooges. From woman haters to sappy bullfighters, from Curly to Shemp, and even to Joe. I am your host, Gabriel Russo, and I'm looking at all 190 shorts produced for Columbia Pictures by the Three Stooges comedy team. Hello and welcome back once again to the Three Stooges Throwback Podcast. I am still your host, Gabriel Russo, and we are still going over the 190 shorts produced for Columbia Pictures by the comedy team, The Three Stooges. This is episode 44, covering the short, You Nasty Spy. First things first, I use Wikipedia, IMDB, and threestooges.net to find all the information for these episodes, and I am watching them from... The Three Stooges, all one word, account on YouTube in 1080p. They look even better than they did when they were first released. I have read almost every book, pretty much every book, on the boys. I use my own brain to formulate the opinions on this show, and I regurgitate the opinions of others. I am not an expert on The Three Stooges, just a knowledgeable fan. I will make mistakes. I leave things out, but it's fine. Everything will be okay. I'll probably repeat myself a hundred times before it's all over. So with that said, let's get on with this episode. You Nasdy Spy has a runtime of 18 minutes and 10 seconds or so. It was shot over five days from December the 5th, 1939 to December the 9th, 1939 and was released to a yearning public on January 19th, 1940 less than one month later. Maybe due to the topical nature of this short, or the fact that Chaplin was working on The Great Dictator, so there was a race to be, uh, you know, the first satire of Hitler. Because usually they didn't um, release them that quickly. Usually they released them, you know, we're finding, we're seeing in the other episodes. You know, sometimes they wait eight months, six months, ten months, what have you. This was the first short released by the boys in 1940. Like I said, released on January 19th, so the boys get a good start on the year, releasing early. That'll bring us to our new feature, What Else Was Going On at This Time? And thanks to a website called TakeMeBack.to, I am gathering the information on what else happened of note on that release day of January 19th, 1940. The U.S. President was Franklin D. Roosevelt, a Democrat. The UK Prime Minister was Neville Chamberlain. He was a conservative. Pope Pius XII was leading the Catholic Church. The Grapes of Wrath, directed by John Ford, was one of the most viewed movies released at this time. Other movies in theaters uh, around this time included a picture called The Fighting 69th with James Cagney and a Shirley Temple movie called The Bluebird. So we'll be adding more interesting stuff like that as we go along. So Curly, Larry, and Moe are your stooges in question. You Nasdy Spy is produced by Jules White, directed by Jules White, with story and screenplay going to Felix Adler and Clyde Bruckman. Felix is best known for writing Men in Black, their Oscar-nominated short. He did six features for Laurel and Hardy, and uh, two for Abbott and Costello. Bruckman 
I'm finding out just now is actually pronounced Brookman. So Clyde Brookman, he had a sad end. We've gone over him. We've talked about him before when he committed suicide with Buster Keaton's borrowed gun. He had been sued twice for stealing gags and what it was a serial gag reuser. He started out as a sports writer. He directed four Laurel and Hardy films, and he helped to develop them as a team. Matthew Desim, a man named Matthew Desim, D-E-S-S-E-M. He wrote a 2015 biography on Brookman called Gagman. So you can check that out and see if your local library has Gagman by Matthew Desim, a book on Clyde Brookman, noted gag thief. <laughs> so our uncredited roles are many for this short. We've got Dick Curtis as Mr. One. He did 17 stewed shorts. We covered him a lot. He was married to a woman named Ruth Sullivan. I believe she was an actress. Don Beddo is Mr. Amscray. He was on Broadway for 10 years and then in film where he was in more than 250 films. His final TV appearance was in 1984 in an episode of Highway to Heaven with Michael Landon. Richard Fisk as Mr. Ixnay. So we've got Mr. One, Amscray, and Ixnay. So no, Scram, and Nix. We remember Richard Fisk. He was killed in action in World War II. Uh, he was on his way up, and his, you know, his career was on his way up when he was drafted. We have not, as of the, the release of this one, 1940, we have not entered World War II. But uh, I believe the fighting has begun. As a matter of fact, a British ship was sank right around this time in my research, I found out. Anyhow, Lorna Gray here is Maddie Herring, instead of Matt Harry. <laughs> This makes three in a row here for Lorna Gray. Is it strange to have a crush on someone who passed away and was in her prime roughly a hundred years ago? <laughs> uh, she was arrested in 1945 on suspicion of possessing marijuana in Los Angeles. She got a thousand dollars bail. But a stunt performer, Rule Taylor, testified that she was not aware of the pot and that it was his. She had 69 credits to her name. Little Billy Rhodes as the Gestapo midget. His father left when he realized he had a midget son. In 1940, he headed, which is this year in question, he headed a convention called the International Midget League. When asked if his stature was a hindrance, he said it was not, and that it was an asset as it lifted him out of poverty. He said that he, had never, he would never, if he had been born a regular-sized person, he would never have uh, stood out. With his talent would never have stood out. He made two Stooge appearances. He was in a movie called The Terror in Tiny Town, which is an all-little-person western. I think that sounds like I might have to check that out. Uh, and The Wizard of Oz were two of his credits worth mentioning. The Terror in Tiny Town, an all-little-person western. That sounds fantastic. Joe Murphy here as the peasant. He was in a series called The Gumps based on a very popular comic strip, and his tall, thin, weird look was perfect for it. If you look up the Gumps comic strip, you'll see that, uh, like on Google, you will see that he, this man is perfect for it. The series is part of the National Film Preservation Effort, and there were more than 50 silent shorts made in the series. Wow. No one thought it could be filmed until they saw Joe. 
That's unbelievable. He kept working up through the 1940s. His career is being rediscovered now through the Film Society, which is pretty neat. Joe Murphy. You will certainly recognize him as the tall, thin, very odd-looking fellow. John Tyrell as the train conductor. He was in 28 Stooge Shorts and 250 films over 12 years. One of his biggest roles was in Mandrake the Magician, a serial that he played the right-hand man of the star. So he was Mandrake the Magician's uh, right-hand man. Ned Glass appears as the lead stormtrooper. He was Moe's neighbor in Toluca Lake, but Moe had no input into casting, so there were rumors at the time of Moe getting him work, but they were not true. He worked for a long time, but there's nothing between 42 and 46, so he must have been in the war. He was married to an actress named Kitty McHugh, uh, she committed suicide in 1954. That's sad. Burt Young is in this short. There is next to nothing online about him, unfortunately. Chuck Callahan was in H. Stooge shorts. He has 10 writing credits and 14 acting credits. He went from 1942 to 1958 with no work listed. I wonder why. He retired or was blackballed or something. I wonder what happened. Charles Doherty, he was a circus and vaudeville performer who we have covered previously. So we'll move on to Florine Dixon. She's Miss Pfeffernus. She's a new face here with only four credits, but she lived until 2006. She was 91. But with only four credits, I thought she died young. But nope. This is her only stooge work. I found her on a site called obscureactresses.wordpress.com and she became a successful photographer's model. I think I will add this site to my list of searches, this obscureactresses.wordpress.com. So thanks to them. We've got John Tyrell as Mr. Bones, the minister of Umfola. Eddie Lawton as Delegate Vance Rip-Em-Up. We've covered Eddie Lawton numerous times. Al Thompson as the Axis Minister. 66 credits to his name, and we have covered him as well. And we will again, I'm sure. John Rand is the gray-haired Axis Minister, and he rounds out the cast. He died January 25th, 1940, only six days after the release of this picture. He was in over 20 Charlie Chaplin pictures. So we start out with a different title card here with the Columbia Logos torch-bearing woman on the left-hand corner standing on a pedestal where each step has printed out Columbia short subject and presentation. And the opening titles and credits are inside a box with like rounded edges. This format will remain in effect through booby dupes. We open on uh, any resemblance, a uh, card that says any resemblance between the characters in this picture and any person's living or dead is a miracle. There are three rich guys sitting around a table talking about their munitions factory not making enough money. This is Ixnay, One, and Amscray. They're in the kingdom of Moronica. <laughs> These guys decide there is no money in peace and that they must start a war. And so... Apropos, we must oust the king and install a dictator who is stupid enough to do what we tell him. 
One says, I have the perfect fellow. He's papering my house right now. Mo Hailstone. They all walk in the, into the room where the boys are papering. Gentlemen, and the boys look around. <laughs> he means us. They do introductions. Hailstone, Gallstone. Curly is Gallstone, and Larry is Pebble. So, Hailstone, Gallstone, Pebble. Shalom Aleichem, they say, which means peace unto you or pleased to meet you in Yiddish. They say to Mo, we're going to make you dictator of Maronica. Mo says, what does a dictator do? And One says, he makes love to beautiful women. He drinks champagne and he never works. He makes speeches to the people, promising them plenty, then gives nothing and takes everything. Curly says, oh, a parasite. That's for me. Mo says, uh, quiet, I must think. Let me think. And he makes a big show of getting uh, ink on his fingertip. Like, how are we going to think? And then he touches his lip. <laughs> Talking about dictators, parasites, and then Mo makes a big show of a Hitler mustache, uh, which is pretty great. Mo says he'll do it, but he can't leave his pals. Their motto has always been all for one and one for me. <laughs> Beblak, and they shake hands. Beblak is Yiddish for beans. <laughs> it's pretty funny. That's already more Yiddish than usual in this uh, in this short which is, you know, they don't really speak a whole lot of Yiddish, but they do in this one, which I take as another swipe at Hitler. You know, we can speak our language kind of thing. Curly has an interaction with a one of those living statues, it's, which is the second time in, uh, in these shorts so far. So they decide they'll make Curly field marshal and in charge of all the forces. Curly says, do I get a uniform? He says, you can have a hundred uniforms. Just shoot a hundred generals. <laughs> Curly says, I'll shoot two hundred. And then he does his little hat machine gun deal. You know, moving his hat. They say, we'll make Larry minister of propaganda. What's that? A propaganda marries a momaganda and they raise a bunch of little goslings. <laughs> so they say, what do we do? They, they tell him, first you have a beer push. Curly says, you put your beer down and wait for the pretzels. No, you'll buy beer for all the salunatics. That's a great word, salunatics. And then you'll march to the palace and depose the king, and you'll be dictator. Hail, hail, hailstone. And they do this, like, flapping gesture on their heads and then point their arms. <laughs> so we cut to the three of them on this balcony giving a speech to a massive crowd. They say, we must break free from the monarchy, monarchy and make our country safe for hypocrisy. Larry holds up a sign that says, cheer. Moronica for morons. He holds up a sign that says, applause. Every Thursday, you will receive hamburger and eggs. And Larry grabs the wrong sign and holds it up, and they hiss. Uh, Mo is great here. He gets all intense, and he says, we must extend our neighbors a helping hand. Two helping hands. And help ourselves to our neighbors. <laughs> then Mo goes into a bunch of German-sounding, you know, gibberish. And it ends in, ya, ya, ya. And Larry goes, hallelujah, with his finger up like a like one of those blues-type guys. Like his finger, he's wiggling his finger up and down and dancing it. <laughs> Curly butts in for a station identification. This is N-U-T-S. And they do a chime bit on this uh, Bologna watch time. And they conk Curly on the head. Bologna watch time is 2 o'clock or whatever it is. It must be a play on like the ad of the day, a Bologna watch. It must be 3 o'clock. I said 2 o'clock. It must be 3 o'clock. And then they all laugh like the shadow. <laughs> so that's, they're doing some kind of play on a modern or on a commercial of the day. 
So their flag is two snakes in the shape of a swastika. Moronica for morons. Curly is shaking them some drinks and, uh, you know, with a shaker and he's doing this little shimmy. Just silliness, but it's funny. Mo toasts. He says, here's how. And Curly says, I know how. Mo pronounces sectary. Like, get me my sectary. You know, Larry says, you mean secretary. And Curly says, stenographer. Mo clamps a clamp on Larry's nose, and uh, Larry holds it there as he limps away. He holds it there on his own nose, which is funny. Curly starts to read a book, and Mo stops him and says, Loyal Moronicans don't read. You might learn something. We must burn every book in the country. Curly says, Not my little red book. Mo reads the red book, and it's got notes on dames. <laughs> One says, her car often runs out of gas. Woo, woo, woo. And Curly gives Mo a look. Mo keeps the book, which is funny. Curly says, oh, a bookkeeper. Ha, <laughs> ha. Larry comes over and says, why burn the books? Mo says, there are too many bookmakers. The bookies are overrunning the country. The bookies are overrunning the country. And they give their silly salute. Hail, hail, hailstone. The secretary answers the phone. She's a real looker here. Maddie Harry is here to see you, and she stands up and starts taking off her shirt. We don't know what's up with that. Mo says, marinate her and send her in. Little Billy comes walking in. He's a guard, but he looks like a bellhop. Um, he brings in a guy with a chicken for treason. Mo says, where'd you get the chicken? He says, from an egg. He says, where'd you get the egg? The guy says, from a chicken. Curly says, a vicious cycle. We must kill it. Mo sends him to a concentrated camp. But on second thought, feed him to the lions. Curly says, we have no lions. How about the tigers or the cubs? Larry says, or the giants. Mo starts to cry about how can we throw people to the lions when we have no lions? And Larry, or Curly and Larry start to console him, you know. We'll get you some lions with sharp claws and everything. So Maddie Herring comes in. She was in disguise as the secretary. Mo says, my favorite dish. And he dips her, and then Curly kisses her. And he says, don't taste like herring to me. Ha <laughs> ha, that's funny. So she says, let us gaze into the magic ball. So they sit down, and she says, ickle, dickle, pickle, mickle. And it drops into her hand, and it's a magic eight ball. Yes, sit right down behind it, behind the eight ball, you know. Ha ha. So the eight ball says, you haven't long to live, and Curly and Larry shake hands. They do this train sound thing, and uh, a porter walks in, all in for Syracuse. Larry says, Syracuse? Here's where I get off. And then they talk about the boy from Syracuse. It must be the song, a song of the day, a popular song of the time. So, Curly and Mo are holding hands under the table, thinking that it's Maddie. They're flirting. Mo breaks the eight ball on Curly's head, and a note falls out. It's from the king of Moronica, and it instructs Maddie to poison Mo. She backs away, knowing she's caught. Curly grabs her in a hug, and Mo says, Just hold her arm, she's a spy. And Curly says, But she's a spy all over, though. <laughs> Which is good, because he's hugging her. So Mo and Curly go at it for a minute, and Lorna's face goes back and forth, and her expressions are pretty good. She's funny. We talked about her in the last episode. She was good. She shows a lot of personality. So Mo calls in the stormtroopers, and in they come, looking like the Keystone cops, essentially. They're all carrying umbrellas and wearing slickers, and they goose-step their way in. And they, when they goose-step in, they kick each other in the butts as they march off. 
Lorna's practically laughing as they do their little deal. Mo tells Curly to shoot her, and he pulls dice from his holster. How can he shoot her with dice? Curly says, well, they're loaded. Yuck, yuck. <laughs> Curly takes her off to shoot her, and Mo says, just think, I almost married her. And Larry said, you'd have been in some pickle with that herring. <laughs> Curly offers her a blindfold, and she takes it and puts it on Curly. Ten paces and I'll fire, he says. Goodbye, she says, and he counts, and then he shoots Mo in the butt. We gotta get her back. I'll be satisfied if we get her half back. Curly says, I take, I'll take a quarterback. In fact, I'll take Notre Dame and two points. <laughs> Quick little patter sometimes in this, you know, a bit of it in this one. We'll start a blitzkrieg, says Mo. And Curly says, good, I love blintzes, especially with Sour Krieg. Mo starts to scream gibberish, like gibberish German, with, with definitely with some Yiddish thrown in, I'm sure. It ends with ya, ya. They go to study a ridiculous map that's hanging there, which is the Sea of Biscuit, etc., you know. If I take Mickey Finland, I better be Russian. Well, don't be Stalin. <laughs> like that kind of wordplay, you know. So, Mickey Finland. We have a roundtable meeting, but they only have a square table uh, in Moronica. Nothing is square. Mo gives Larry a saw to cut the, cut the corners off the table. <laughs> The new secretary, Miss Pfeffernus, ballet dances in. This is Florine Dixon. Miss Pfeffernus. Mo and Curly ballet dance with her. They're very light on their feet. They can they can move a little bit. Curly goes to give her a hug and she ducks and the boys hug each other. <laughs> they sit out the next dance and just sit on the ground to do patty cake. It's like, what? So the meeting starts and the boys exclaim, Peace, we want peace. Yes, a piece of this country and a piece of that one. <laughs> Mo and Curly are hitting the delegates in the head with golf clubs. Larry gives another golf club. Here, try this niblick. Here, try this niblick. Golf used to be called mashy niblick. I just happen to know that. Everyone is arguing, and Curly takes the clubs and starts hitting balls at the delegates. Golf balls are bouncing off people's heads. So they're fighting the delegates now, and Curly takes them out with the golf bag on his arm. Mo says, that's what I call a peace conference. But here come the king and Matty Herring and a mob of people. The boys run and they hide and lock the door and they throw the key. And then we turn and they turn and we see lions growling. The lions chase the boys and we hear roars, etc. And then the lions come around the corner wearing the boys' hats. The end. So this is a very significant short as it helped publicize the Nazi threat to America while we were still neutral. This was released nine months before Chaplin's The Dictator. But that film was in production first, like I said previously. But Mo Howard, trivia question, is the first person to satirize Hitler on film. The Hayes Code was still enforced in film at the time, and it was illegal to portray world leaders in a bad light. But they got around that by being a short subject and not a feature. And so by the time Chaplin's The Dictator comes out, either the Hayes Code had been uh, redacted or uh, they just, Hitler was so bad that they just allowed it to happen. So one of the two. Mo and Larry both cite this short as their personal favorite. They made a sequel to it in 1941 called I'll Never Heil Again. 
And the country of Moronica is used in Dizzy Pilots in 1943, and They Stooge to Conga, 1943 as well. The Boys from Syracuse was a play in 1938, not a song as I thought it was. When asked why they have no lions, Curly says, There are no bones in ice cream. We have no lions because there are no bones in ice cream. This is a nonsensical answer to a nonsensical question and was the phrase of the day. There are no bones in ice cream. So if somebody asked you, like, you know, why we, you know, a nonsensical question, you would say, you, your answer would be, well, there are no bones in ice cream. And it would be like, oh, huh. So the Magic 8-Ball toy didn't come out until 1950. So this is a full 10 years before that. So she's just using an 8-ball as a crystal ball. And that's the joke, that it's an 8-ball. And, 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 you know, so you're behind the 8-ball and not a magic 8-ball like you shake and ask questions of. Interesting. I wonder if the creators of the magic 8-ball, the toy, saw this short. That's really fascinating. So, Moronica for Morons parodies the slogan Deutschland for Deutsch, which was the Nazi slogan. Lorna Gray retired in 1950. She used the name Adrian Booth and became a minister. She lived to be 99 years old and did stooge conventions and reunion-type deals for years. It was rumored that this short got the boys listed on Adolf Hitler's hate list, or kill list, which they think is a rumor, as there has never been any proof of this found. But I would imagine that if Hitler saw this, which I don't know, maybe they were importing stewed shorts into Germany then. I wouldn't imagine, I mean, I wouldn't doubt that they were importing American entertainment. But I would imagine if Hitler did see this, he would not be a fan. This came from a 1992 tabloid story that they were put on, a hate, on Hitler's hate list as a result. They did do two more shorts mocking the Nazis as well. So this short gets a 9.12 on threestooges.net, and I agree with that. It's a solid 9. This is a great short. It's an important short. It's got some funny lines, some funny wordplay, some good bits. That Some of the stuff may come off as kind of stupid or juvenile now, but if you think back on what the time, you know, on the time period and what was going on, he was the first person to satirize or parody Hitler. Probably a lot of people didn't know what was going on. I mean, stuff was in the paper and all that stuff, sure. But it was just like today, probably, that, you know, a lot of people didn't read the papers, didn't know what was going on. And this maybe brought it a little bit to the forefront of, uh, you know, of the national mentality or whatever. So I guess that's it. That will bring this episode to a close. Tune in next time when we will look at the next short, Rockin' Through the Rockies. Thanks for listening. Thank you for all the wonderful messages about the podcast. So please subscribe and rate and review the show. Please go to that and subscribe in your podcasting app. That way you'll get automatic downloads of the show. And you'll never be without the Three Stooges throwback. Giving you all your Three Stooges news. But please rate and review the show if you really like it. Um, evidently it helps. Only five star reviews, please. We are trying to be fancy. If you're not a fan, just leave it alone. It's cool. 
Anyway, I have been your host. Oh, uh, one more thing. I got an interesting email on the subject of the Three Stooges. This was from a book publisher that will remain nameless for the time being that um, offered me the opportunity to maybe write a book on the Three Stooges as I do the only podcast on them and he does books on pop culture and that type of thing. So I was coming up with ideas, trying to brainstorm ideas for a book-length project and, you know, a lot of books have been written on the boys, so he did not like my ideas so far. They thought they were article length. My idea was generally just what the podcast does to cover, to write a book about covering all the people that were in these, um, all the uncredited folks in these shorts. But anyway, I'm thinking about some more ideas and I'm going to spring them on him and hopefully something will come of that. That would be, that would be absolutely fantastic. I mean, you know. I've written a book before. I'm about to put it up on uh, Amazon again. It'll be available for Kindle. It is about the um, the time when Minecraft, the game, descended on my house and my life and our family, the life of our family and our son, and he took it took over completely. It's called Memoirs of a Minecraft Dad. And that will be available on Amazon. I'll give you the link next time in the podcast. But anyhow, that's kind of uh, fun news. And then I got an email from another person who does a podcast and uh, wants to do a crossover episode, wants to co-host A Plumbing We Will Go, that episode, and wants to interview me on their podcast. So when that materializes and gets closer, I will uh, certainly... Plug that in the show. But I have once again been your host and chief knucklehead, Gabriel Russo, broadcasting from Stooge Studios at the back of the house. See you next time. Bye. Bye.